0: Yesterday was our wedding anniversary. And like a lot of special occasions, at least for me, it followed quite a familiar pattern. A few days ago, let me take you back, I remembered that it would be our anniversary very, very soon. And obviously, that's a little bit late in the day to be remembering it just a few days ago. And so I hopped online to try and find an appropriate anniversary gift. I found what I was looking for pretty quickly, popped it in my basket and checked out. Paid and all, that's it dealt with. Email comes through, delivery details. Oh no, that does, oh no, wait, that does matter. That really matters because it needs to be here in three days, whatever this gift was that I'd ordered. But I've already checked out, I've already paid for this gift. Turns out it might be January before this anniversary gift arrives, if I'm lucky. But we can await that with excited anticipation. That's a situation which I found myself in many times before. This isn't the first time that has happened. Relying on things arriving just in time before a birthday, before a special event. And you might know that feeling too, where you're sitting on the edge of the sofa on high alert by the window, jumping up out of your chair every time a delivery van drives past the front of the house. And of course, with Royal Mail strikes and all the rest of that going on at the minute, I think we all have to get a little bit better at waiting. And we're going to be much more familiar with waiting with this nervous anticipation. In this passage, Luke chapter 2, we read about two others who have been waiting, Not nervously, but still with that sense of anticipation. Luke chapter 2 and verse 25 tells us about one of those people. It says in verse 25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Both Simeon, who's described there in verse 25, and Anna, who's then described later on in the passage, they've both been waiting for a special arrival. This is an arrival which would do much more than just give them a sense of relief or some kind of short-lived excitement. In fact, we can see in both of these characters, Simeon and Anna, a few different responses to the arrival of Jesus Christ. They've both been waiting for a long time But we're concerned this morning with their response once the waiting is over. How they responded to the arrival of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to think about. And the point of looking at that today is to try and encourage all of us to respond in a similar way as we now approach that time of year where we are all going to be confronted with the arrival of Jesus Christ into this world. And so, I hope this morning that this will become not just how they responded to the arrival of Jesus Christ, but how we respond to the arrival of Jesus Christ. So let's start with Simeon. I've read verse 25 already and we're told in verse 25 that he is a holy man. He's described there as just and devout. He's one who has waited for and anticipated the arrival of a Messiah, a Saviour. And his response to the arrival of Christ is one of peace. Simeon's peace is what we're going to see first of all. On the day when Mary, Joseph, and the child arrive at the temple, we see that the Holy Spirit gives him great wisdom. It gives Simeon an unusual level of insight. It was revealed to him, first of all by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die until the arrival of the Messiah had taken place, and he'd seen him with his own eyes. That was the first thing the Holy Spirit revealed to him. Somehow then, next of all, it was then revealed to him who that child was whenever Mary and Joseph brought him into the temple. That was something he wouldn't know just by human instinct. It was revealed to him. And then, as he holds this child in his arms, again the Holy Spirit reveals something more, reveals great truth to Simeon about who this child is. The depth of truth, the depth of understanding demonstrated by Simeon can only be a result of God's revelation. It's something worth taking notice of. I say that because if you think, take your mind a little forward from the events described here in Luke 2 if you think and remember about how Christ would later be seen, how he would be understood by the people of Israel uh, later in life, during the time of his adult life and his ministry, you could argue, I would make the argument to you this morning, that Simeon has been given a level of insight here that even the disciples of Christ didn't grasp themselves until after the death and resurrection of Christ. Simeon gets it on a deeper level because God has shown it to him. He understands the point of who Christ is and why he came. Let's read those words of truth that he speaks starting in verse 28. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. You see, Simeon, in contrast to many of the Jewish people who came after him, he does not see Jesus merely as an earthly king of the nation of Israel, he does not see him as a warrior or as a leader. Simeon sees that he is the Savior. Not just of Israel, but of the whole world. He speaks of Israel. He also speaks of the Gentiles. Jesus Christ is salvation and light and glory. His kingdom is spiritual and eternal. And Simeon, to some degree here, has been shown all of that. And all of this while he looks into the eyes of that baby in his arms. Just think about that for a moment. I know you know that already. I know you've been told this many times before, but we can always think about it again and be struck by the wonder of it all. Think about what that was like to hold a small, vulnerable, helpless little baby. Look into its eyes And realize you are holding God in flesh. You know that already. I know that too. But we, let me tell you, we will never get to the bottom of that. The more we think about it, the more it ought to fill us with wonder. What was it like to hold and see and hear the creator of this world in human form? It brings about a response in Simeon. Yes, as I mentioned already, he reveals great truth in these very profound words. But as I said already, we're interested in what impact it had on him. What was the response of Simeon to all of this? And we see Simeon's peace. He's brought an untold level of comfort by the fact that he has seen the arrival of Jesus Christ. It's the one thing that brings peace to Simeon. Because he knows, he mentions it in his own words, he knows very soon he is going to pass away. He's going to face what is a trying time in life. Something which you and I would agree is absolutely a trial. A time of our own death. Bear in mind, put yourself into the context here. Simeon's an old man. He's been told that he will not die until after he sees the Messiah. And it's hard for us to imagine what that will be like. But in a way, on this day, when Simeon holds this child in his arms, he knows this is the event in his life which marks a turning point. This event marks, if you like, the beginning of the end. Now is the time for his death. From a human perspective, this is a little like for Simeon receiving a terminal diagnosis. Simeon now knows that his own life will shortly come to an end. But Simeon's approaching that part of his life in peace. He can face this challenge as one who is comforted. It's because he's had an encounter with Jesus Christ, it's because he's one who has personally received that salvation that he spoke about in the passage. He's been transformed by that light. So he can say, I'm ready to depart. He's peace. So facing death for this man is not a horror. Not just death, but any other trial he might suffer. It's not hopeless despair, because although Simeon is an old man, and Christ is this newborn baby in his arms, it's not really that Simeon is holding Jesus. Really, it's the other way around. This is the wonder of the Incarnation. It's the situation that Simeon is, Simeon is in. He knows that the baby he is now holding at the very same moment is the one who's holding him as he lives out his final days on this earth. Christ will hold him as he crosses from life to death. The Savior holds him whatever life brings and will keep holding him through all eternity. That's what brings Simeon peace. Do you share that sense of peace this Christmas season? First and foremost, you can only have it if you've had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Not the physical kind which Simeon here is having. But personally, you can have an encounter with Christ through his word. Through this book, the Holy Spirit gives us the opportunity to see and hear the Son of God. As if we were looking right into his face like Simeon. Through this book, the Lord can shine that light into your heart. Through these words, you can find the salvation that Simeon's referring to. Nothing else will give you this kind of comfort that Simeon has. Simeon's peace. We'll turn our attention now to Anna. At the end of the passage that we read, we see her response to Jesus Christ as she also sees him in the temple that day, right down to verse 38. Verse 38. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. Anna is filled with thankfulness when she sees Christ. Anna's thankfulness. And on the face of it, That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. She sees this newborn child, and immediately she's filled with thanks to the Lord. That's not a situation which we can easily identify with. I know myself as a father, when you have a new arrival, a new baby in your house, you're thankful for what God has given. Of course you are. Your wider family, they are also thankful to God for this blessing Even your closest circle of friends, they will share in that. They will be thankful for this new child. But I think it's fair to say that when a new baby arrives into the family, strangers who don't know you, aren't connected to you, aren't a part of your family in any way, they probably aren't thankful for the arrival of this child. It's maybe a little harsh, and I'd suggest that you never say this to a new or very protective mother, But strangers don't really care about your new baby. It's true. At least, not enough to be filled as Anna is here with this thankfulness at the arrival of this child into the world. But that is how Anna responds. She's made aware of the arrival of this child, and in that instant, it tells us, she gave thanks to God. She's brimming with thankfulness at the arrival of this child, who to her, at least humanly speaking, is a stranger. It's not that Anna is just a particularly delightful person. It's not that she has a very kind heart, even as a stranger. In truth, it's not about who Anna is. It's about who the child is. Because even though she's not related to Mary, she's not a family friend, this child is someone to whom Anna is intimately connected. This child is her light and her salvation. Now, this might be hard for you to fully understand. But on the basis of what God reveals to us in his word, we can say this morning that Anna is more closely connected to this child than if it was her own son. She is united to this baby. She is in spiritual union with Christ. That is what causes her heart to be filled with thanks when she sees his arrival. Her response of thanksgiving for this child is based on the truth about who he is and what he is going to do. And in all of that, he will be united to her. He does it for her. I want you to look with me at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, which is a passage dealing with this thought of being united to Christ. We'll read a few verses starting at verse 3. Romans 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. That is true of Anna, the prophetess. Anna would have a part in the death of Christ. She was baptized into it. That's not talking about baptism by water, but baptism of the Spirit into Christ. That's what it's referring to. She's united to Christ in it. Even though for her, the death of Christ hadn't even happened yet. Yet somehow, she had a part in it. Because she had a part in his death, we see in that passage, she'll also have a part in his resurrection, in his glory, in his life. And so in one sense, not only for Anna, but for you this morning, if you're a Christian, Christ is so closely tied to you in his work that you can be regarded as one person. You are united to him. So when Anna looks at this child, of course, not knowing all of the details of what was going to happen during the course of his life, the circumstances of his death and his resurrection, she didn't know the detail. But she could simply say, my life is in his hands. I am tied to him. He will be my salvation. Are you feeling that thankfulness this Christmas season? It's good to be thankful for the gifts that you get. We're at great pains as parents to try and teach our children to be thankful whenever they're given a gift by someone else. To remember to say thank you to feel thankful? More than being thankful for the material things that inevitably we will get. Are you more thankful for the important gifts, family, friends, church, your community, your life, the health that you're enjoying? Those are all good things. But more even than that, and you might think, well, there's nothing more than that. There's nothing more important than life and health and friends and family. It's easy to think that way. Sometimes we can very quickly fall into the trap of thinking. That's what it's all about. There's nothing more important than friends and family at Christmas time. Let me tell you there absolutely is. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9:15, "Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. His gift, not gifts." Yes, he has given many gifts to us in this life, but the unspeakable gift, that's the focus of Anna's attention when she's in the temple on this day. Thankfulness for the light-bringing, life-giving Lord and Savior. Let me ask you, are you united to him? As Anna clearly was. That's what made her so thankful. He wasn't a stranger to her at all. They were intimately united. If you aren't feeling that thankfulness as you reflect today on Jesus Christ, have you forgotten who he is? If you're a Christian, he's not some distant stranger who lived 2,000 years ago. You are united to him right now. If he is a stranger to you, If the reality of Christ means nothing to you, then it's not just a matter of trying harder to be more thankful this morning. It's a matter of coming to Him for salvation. You need to be joined to Him by faith. May He give that light that's spoken about in this passage. May He give you that light to show you today who He is and what He has done. This is Anna's thankfulness. But if we stay with Anna, we have something else to see about her. Back in Luke chapter 2 and verse 38, we've seen her thankfulness, but not only her thankfulness, we see also her witness, Anna's witness. The second part of verse 38 goes on to say that she spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I have someone in my wider family, you might have someone like this as well. Someone who a few years ago got an Actifry. This was apparently a life-changing experience for this individual. Every time we see each other, it was the same thing that kept coming up in conversation. How versatile it is, how healthy it is, all the different benefits of it, how convenient it is. You could almost sense the sense of excitement in his voice as he listed out again all the wonderful benefits of an Actifry. Eventually, it came to the point where I had to ask him Are you receiving commission from Russell Hobbs for your constant testimonials about this Actifry? Now, however hilarious we found all of that, the truth is that we all knew that he really believed in the product. He was thankful for how it had clearly changed his own life and also he was absolutely convinced that this could improve the lives of other people as well. The proof of all that was that he never stopped talking about Actifry machines, trying to convince other people to get one as well. And I think you might be able to see the point I'm trying to make. Anna was thankful for Jesus Christ. We've seen that already. But her thanks wasn't empty gratitude. Gratitude. It was more than words. She proved that she was thankful by what she did. She started to tell others about Jesus Christ. And she wasn't on commission. She believed on him. She knew that he had changed her life and her eternal destiny. And she was convinced that he would change other people's lives too. Convinced. Rather than being paid to talk to others about the Lord, I suspect that she was rather the one who would have to pay the price. That's what happens. It comes with personal cost to be a witness for Christ. It can bring its own measure of embarrassment, shame, suffering too. But Anna was genuinely thankful And it showed because she was going to do whatever she could to let other people know. So you might say today, I'm thankful for what the Lord has done for me. Good. I hope you are. You might say today that you have a peace in your heart like Simeon did. No matter what life throws at you because he's your light and your salvation. That's also good. But the searching truth is this. It's difficult to hear. It's hard to believe that any of those words are true for you if it does not stir you to speak of him to others. It doesn't make sense any other way. If we really believe that sin is what God says it is. If we really believe that the consequences for sin are as awful as the Bible tells us. And if we believe that Christ is the only answer to that sin and punishment, and we believe that he gives a life more abundant, then it's going to show. Just like it did for Anna. She spoke to all. She told them all about Christ. This thankfulness will drive us to speak of him. This is Anna's witness. This morning, we've seen three responses to the arrival of Jesus Christ. We've seen Simeon's peace. He knew he was holding the Savior, who would be the one to comfort him in life and death. We've seen Anna's thankfulness, because this child was the one who she was united to in his sacrifice and in his resurrection. We've seen Anna's witness. A witness which proved that she really believed the truth about Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning as we close. What's your response to it all? Can you identify with Simeon and Anna this morning? Are you responding in the same way to the truth which has been said in front of you today? Or are you indifferent? You're maybe not shrugging your shoulders outwardly but inwardly. That's what you feel. This doesn't cause any kind of response within you, no more than if some stranger on the street was carrying their new baby. The follow-up question you need to ask is: Who is this child to me? Is he just a stranger? Or is he my savior? That's the question. That makes all the difference. That makes for a Christmas which means much more than warm, fuzzy feelings or empty, temporary happiness. A real, living relationship with the one who is light and salvation. That's what brings peace. That's what brings thankfulness. And that's what leads to proof of it through an act of witness. May the Lord... Plant this word deep in our hearts this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, we give thanks this morning for the example of Simeon and Anna. We give thanks this morning that their response speaks much more than just of how they behaved, but of what Christ had done in their hearts. We pray this morning that those of us who are Christ will be led to the same response. Having seen the Savior, having encountered Him, bring those who need it peace today. Those who face challenges of life, the challenges which are unseen perhaps to everyone around. May they have peace today because the Lord is their light and their salvation. We pray today for those who are still outside of Christ, perhaps realizing today that they're not united to Him, realizing today that they don't know anything about a personal encounter, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Reveal that great need and having revealed it, reveal Christ again in a fresh way. Pray for those who perhaps have walked far from the Lord. Bring them back to him again. Reveal Clearly, unmistakably, that Christ is light and salvation. And draw them to him this morning. We ask all of these things for his sake and his glory. Amen.